time to play with pain, where sports and inaccuracy collide. Now, here's your host, veteran sportscaster, and the voice of the International Speed Fishing Championships, Jet Waterhouse. Yeah, brother! Hello again, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. My guest today, killer comedian, Jimmy Schubert. We're going to be talking to Jimmy in just a second. First, let me thank the folks that sponsor this podcast for real. Starburns.com. Google them. Yeah, ever worry about laughing again. Hey, we got Advice Corner and Fiery 4. Pop quiz coming up, too. Good show. And as always, before we get to my guest, Jimmy Schubert, time for the Waterhouse Update. Brought to you by Mankwitch.com. Date both Josh and and Ben Mankiewicz at Mankiewicz.com. Boxing! Las Vegas Tyson Fury sounds like spicy hot frozen chicken wings. He beat Deontay Wilder. Seven round TKO. Wilder's Invisalign got knocked over to Blue Men Group. Fury and Wilder That can't be either of their real names. Fury, like Keith Morrison, without a snappy ending, he just keeps coming at you. Fury outweighed Wilder by 50 pounds, which in Vegas is called a plate of waffles. Anyone under 40 in the crowd said, why aren't they using their legs to fight? Wilder taken to the Pygow Medical Center, where he lost $1,800 and was released. That boxing wrap-up sponsored by Shell Activism. Protect your radical thoughts with a single clear coat of shellactivism. Baseball! Spring training's here. Pitchers, catchers, and garbage cans reported last week. The Philly fanatic gonna get a makeover, which is a Philly way of saying he'll get beaten to a pulp behind a food truck. Baseball news sponsored by Chillax, the laxative that's CBD-licious. College hoops! Three of the top five lost! Haven't seen a weekend this bloody since the Cats movie opened. NHL! Due to injuries, Carolina forced to use a Zamboni driver as their goalie. He stopped eight shots and completed an oil change. And finally, this week in sports history, the year 1980, the place Lake Placid, New York, The underdog U.S. men's hockey team beat the Soviet Union in the first miracle on ice. The second miracle on ice, Al Roker at the Rockefeller Center tree lighting ceremony. This Waterhouse Update brought to you by Pocket Combs. Just throw us out already. Now, finally, it's talk time. My guest today, tremendous stand-up comic whose new special, Zero Tolerance, out now on Vimeo, Jimmy Schubert. Jimmy, how are you today? Good. How are you? I am good, my friend. Now, listen, I always guess the athletic uh, body type of my guest, uh, who they most closely parallel. You, uh, you have the athletic body type of a Jerry Quarry sparring partner. <laughs> yeah, you, you have the toughness and the chin, yet uh, you, you look like you just want the paycheck and get the hell out of there. Yeah, you know, if I was a boxer, my, my sponsors would advertise on the bottom of my shoes. Eat it, Joe's. Ding, ding. He's out again. Now, you grew up in Philly, yeah. like one of 19 kids, some crazy yeah, yeah, there's, <laughs> crazy there's, Catholic yeah. Irish. Even for the Irish Catholics, pretty crazy. Yeah, it's it was just all boys, six boys, no girls. You know, mom wasn't bitter about it. She didn't put any of us in dresses. 
cases. But yeah, it was six boys. <laughs> my dad, who was a Philadelphia homicide detective, I felt bad for him because he was a cop and you know raising six criminals. We didn't learn the metric system in school right that way. <laughs> so you had to, yeah, you had to, uh, you had to adapt to a dad who was a Philly cop in the seventies. <laughs> When Frank Rizzo was mayor, that's like that's like a constant Scorsese movie. Oh, it is. It's like I spent most of my most of my childhood was like a Law and Order interrogation scene. Which one of you kids set off the fire alarm across the street? Which one of you stole twenty dollars from my sock drawer? You know, was just. I mean, this guy's breaking down murders and rapists, and we show up chewing bubble gum with baseball cards, and you know, and wonder why we all cracked. All right, we did it. Did he have a room in the house? dedicated to interrogation like with the overhead light or did he just turn the dining room into that room? No, it was like, yeah, you know what's funny? What would he do? Like I, my brothers were involved with these other kids that egged the neighbor's house. They egged the neighbor's house six nights in a row. The sixth night, the guy who was a state trooper was out there waiting for him and he caught two of them. <laughs> And I remember him holding by the scruff of our necks in the front of the house, and my dad would step onto the porch. They would leave the they would leave the inside light on, but shut the porch light off. So it was like a two way mirror. You couldn't really see outside <laughs> on the porch. I think it was number three and number five. <laughs> I think those were the kids. It was like a little lineup. Thing. And I'll take a piece of your mom's pie. Sit <laughs> on the counter. What the heck? That's impressive. Six boys. Now where were you in that lineup? Number three. You were right in the middle. Yeah, it was number three. I was like, you know. Three and four in the middle. Well, yeah, three and four. But he was the youngest of the four oldest. It was a little bit of a break for like four or five years. Oh. And I asked my dad. I said, what happened? He goes, we got a television set. So there was a little little break. And then then they they got bored with TV and they went back to the bedroom. Right, exactly. So, (laughs) (laughs) but but, uh, yeah, so. So now now, now, uh, with, with six brothers. Yeah, uh, and uh, and uh, the, the two youngest. Now, were you hard on the you were you hard on the younger ones? No, nah, but you know, did, like, did, it, did it come passing down? Did you get slugged in the elbow and you turn around and slug somebody else? No, in? no. But I did get in a lot of fights inside my house. I got more fights probably inside my house than I did outside of my <laughs> well, house. Of I spent my childhood in blood-stained hand-me-downs. You know, <laughs> it's my shirt. I'm right at your shirt. Let me use it to stop the bleed. You know, it was uh, a tourniquet. <laughs> yeah, you know. Uh, but it's great. I mean, I, I love growing up with five brothers. There, you got you got five best friends. You know, we're still thick as thieves and still tight. You know? That's impressive. Now. Is it just a litany of Irish names? Is it like uh, yeah, Bob, Tommy, Joe, Johnny? Jim, John, Chris, Tom? Right, right after Christopher Thomas, just right after, right out of the Bible, you know? Sure, Aloysius, yeah, Aloysius. <laughs> no, no, we didn't get that crazy, but yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, all right, now you went. But now this had to be hard in Philly. You went. To, uh, you went to the high school for creative and performing arts. Yeah, I had a. That's I, like asking for. You, know, <laughs> you had to be tough going yeah. to that high school because yeah, because there's people probably come just take a pot at you at the bus bus stop. Yeah, it was cool, but it was all, it was like a you know you had to uh, commute an hour into school every day. You take the bus down, down to down to the uh, the Septa State and then try to buy the train into the city. And so, I mean, I had to get up at like six thirty in the morning, get down there in time. It took an hour, but yeah, it was great. It was great because obviously. Uh, I knew what I wanted to do early enough in life. I mean, when so did that, you make that decision? If you're already going to high school thinking I'm going to get into some kind of acting or something or maybe eventually stand up or I, was starting, I started doing magic, man. I started I was oh. start, yeah, cuz you could it's like as Steve Martin says in his book Born Standing Up, you know, it's kind of like the uh 
you know, if you're not a member of Lucky Sperm Club and your dad's not a famous actor, you know, you can buy a magic trick and you're entertaining people, you know, sure, so it was yeah. like kind of a poor man's way in the show business. So I started doing magic at a young age. I had doves and, you know, I would, <laughs> I would go to this. How do you keep doves alive in an Irish household? Those are, those are going in the oven <laughs> if your mom finds them. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. No, but uh, – yeah, they had the doves in the shoebox. I would drive down. I would do these shows at St. Christopher's Hospital and do shows at the uh, – you know, a lot of these African-American nurses were hiring me to do shows in West Philadelphia and some of these worst areas and you'd kind of pull up and run in the backstage door to do your magic show, get your paycheck. Keep the car running. Keep the, keep the car running. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hey, that tip brought to you by Sticklers.com, the anal retentive dating site. Now uh, – <laughs> <laughs> so, so you're doing magic like through high school and stuff, and then yeah. at one point, when does it click? And you, you know, I'm gonna try. This. Did you see somebody? Well, you know what it was. I, I, I was allowed. Like my brother Bob played the drums. Joe played guitar. So my mom would drop them at, at the band practice, and like just two blocks down the street, there was a mag, so I could buy one magic, magic trick, trick. But I could, I could get a joke book. Those old Robert Orban joke sure, books. Sure, yeah. And I was starting a little joke Classics. file. Yeah, the classics, you know. And so, so. Uh, yeah, and so I had this little joke file going, knowing eventually one day I would just kind of hit the stage. And You started I, peppering them into the magic act and then yeah, pretty soon they kind of took over. Oh, you said, hey, yeah, it I, was, got, well, I got a was, mind for this. It was more of my uh, personality was to, to do that. You know what I mean? Do I, you but, think part but, of that was surviving your six brothers? Like that was your weapon? Some of them had muscle. Some of them had brawn. Some of them had uh, just uh, uh, you know, a slickness to them and you were the one who used humor to kind of get out of yeah, your Yeah, exactly. It was uh, – you know, I think you find your identity early in a big family like when you got brothers you're trying you kind of kind of merges and you emerge your personality kind of forms faster just because you have to you have to out you have to survive yeah you got to come up with a personality (laughs) (laughs) you know i mean you have no excuse it was pretty loud there's like you know six kids running around yelling you you know you had to get your uh, a loud irish household get out of here (laughs) so now listen uh, did you play sports in high school i did yeah, what'd you play? I, I played football. I played uh, played tight end. I'm no, guessing. No, I was a running back. One in seventy five, eighty five pounders, ninety five pounders. Like a running back. My brother Bob was a middle linebacker. We kind of dominated. And then, uh, yeah, after I, I, I kind of was going more towards the arts, so I kind of ditched the sports. I did. I, yeah, yeah. I was playing little league, and I was the catcher, and our star player was the pitcher. He was also a great hitter of the ball, but he broke his arm. And the coach said, who wants to pitch? And I said, I'll pitch. And uh, we lost that game 20 to nothing. I just kept walking everybody. I was the worst pitcher of a baseball yeah, ever. But as and, a, and the umpire's going, someone teach this kid out of throw because he's dodging balls. I said, yeah, maybe sports ain't my thing. Uh, sports ain't your thing. No. At least uh, you knew the signs. As a former catcher, you were on the mound. You didn't have to waste time with the signs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you just threw what you wanted. I didn't have to steal any signs. Put it that way. Because let's be honest, whoever they put in at catcher had to be riding the pines for a long time. They just slapped the pads on him and said, catch, uh, catch Schubert for Pete's sake. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I, that was it. I was done with that. What's your favorite? Uh, what's your best uh, sports memory? The best, like the, the, the thing you did, like like your greatest sports moment in well, your life. I was, it could, I was be, a running back. could be playing sports. Could be uh, something that happened two days ago. Uh, I would say the Philadelphia Eagles winning the Super Bowl. Oh yeah, yeah, that was that was, that I was, was in yours. Philly. Yeah, I was in Philly watching that, and then uh, the week after, I had to go to a club up in um, Minneapolis, is where the Eagles stayed at this this Radisson Blue up there. Yeah, and I was talking to them. And they said they would they they ran they ran like I read and I read this letter confirmed that they ran 
a fake playbook at the stadium. When they showed up at the stadium, they ran this fake playbook because they knew there were people watching. And then they went back and got the conference rooms, like two giant conference rooms, and they ran the actual playbook there. That's where wow. they came up with the film. So they did it like the ballroom at the hotel. They ran that. That's place. where they did it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that's uh, – that's impressive. Now, uh, I'm guessing, uh, although it's Minneapolis, they might have been able to get it to act, uh, someone in there to actually chalk the uh, ballroom with the five-yard lines. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Every five-yard, there's chalk there. <laughs> sure. And they get pretty we're, had a couple we're officials. In with the, we're coming in with the Eagles, and we want your conference rooms to look like a football field when you get a chance. Chalk <laughs> them up. Right. And don't tell nobody. Uh, keep it under your hat. No, yeah, nobody, <laughs> nobody around. That tip, incidentally, uh, that insight into the uh, Super Bowl, uh, the Eagles won, uh, brought to you by uh, Sweet Kills Penicillin Nut Bar. Munch the pain away with sweet coke. Now, uh, Philly fan, you got to be. Eagles, Absolutely. Flyers, the whole thing. What's your superstitions? Because uh, Philly people are kind of notorious for having uh, superstitions. No, I just, you know, when you grew up in Philly and we used to go to the old the old um, football stadium, had a courthouse and a jail in it. You just, you just knew, you know. <laughs> they, it, they had its own. It had its own. <laughs> yeah, no, I, 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 well, was it Legion Field? What was it in Philly? I can't even remember what the old. Uh, it was Lincoln Field. Lincoln Field. No, no Franklin. Franklin. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. That's it. So uh, they had its own jail and its own courthouse and its own court. So you could get tried, and you you obviously they had a jail to hold you. And but they I, have their own parole officers. That's yeah, maybe the only thing they did. <laughs> yeah, right. But Philly, Philly gets a bad rap. You know, there's like, you know, Philly just gets a bad rap because some of those people are just like, they're just hard. My brother calls Why them. is Philly like that? Why is well, Philly so Well, there's a so section tough? of Philly, like there's places like God, God's, uh, uh, you know, um, they call it God's Pocket, just like one of the worst areas of like, you know, the two-streeters, the mummers, like, you know, Kansas, you know, there's just an element. My brother calls them Philbillies. They're like inner city rednecks and they just show up. <laughs> the same people to boo Santa Claus. Hey, Santa Claus only Santa Santa Claus one day a year. That day, he was just a fat guy in a red suit rooting for the wrong team. You know, they're just, you know, they, <laughs> they're, 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 uh, but, but they they're are soccer pal- hooligans without the soccer. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're just general life hooligans. They're like, you know, soccer hooligans with, uh, you know, social graces a little bit. A little know? bit. <laughs> you know, Maybe. A little bit. They have table manners. I mean, I guess, I don't know. But it is. It is. They do have a horrible reputation. Yeah, yeah. That. But you were able to kind of slide out of that. Then you get into comedy. You get into stand up. You come. You come. Now you 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 studied acting though as well. Yeah, I did. And, and and then you came out here to were you already doing stand up or did you decide? Well, no, I was doing stand. I did stand up for uh, several years in Philadelphia, and then I, I was coming out here anyway. I was going to go to New York or L.A., but if I went to New York, I was going to have to eventually go to L.A. anyway yeah. and start over. So I said, just go to L.A. start start over. But I was I was studying acting. I was in acting classes because back then I realized it's just not it's something I wanted to do, but also. Uh, you know, stand-up comedy has, you know, I mean, you're on your own pretty much. Yeah. But if you're a screen, in the Screen Actors Guild and you're acting and you're doing sitcoms and you're auditioning, then you get to member, become a member of a union, which gets you health care, which right. gets you the pension yeah. fund, which get you know, you're allowed to bank at the credit re- union. Man, so you, just, were, you were the son of a Philly cop. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well, I just, I just get in the union. Get in the get union. Get some benefits. What am I going to do? What am I going to do to get the union back? What are we talking about? Some you're, money? You're seven years old. Yeah, yeah. Your dad's grilling you. 
Well, it's just you know, I, I just wanted to, uh, you know, because you know, you know, you always worried about what you would fall back on if yeah, stand up no. didn't work out, and if you got on a sit, you just gave yourself more options. Now, where'd you start? Comedy store, and you uh, did you start yeah, as a doorman? The comedy store. I was a doorman there. I, I came out. It was funny. The, the the night I started at the comedy store. And I, I, I already showcased for Mitzi and didn't get passed, which is fine because I don't think I was ready. But they had – it was a year after Andy Kaufman died and they had – Tony Clifton was doing a show in the main room and everybody thought, oh, Andy did pull a practical joke at everybody. So all the press was there and everything was there. And, they and this needed is your doing. first night? Yeah, this is my first <laughs> night. This is my initiation into the comedy <laughs> store. And Crap. so I'm, I'm wearing this, you know, the guy is a Jersey kid. You're on the door. And, dude, I thought, oh, this is going to be great. It's going to reveal. It's going to be sure, in the coffin. Yeah. And I'm, you know, and, dude, <laughs> and Bob Zamuda, who was played by uh, Tony, uh, Tony Clifton, played, played yeah. Tony Clifton. And I guess Andy had let him do that years before letting him take it. Right, right, right. And, dude, he came out and threw a drink on somebody. He flew a lit cigarette at somebody. Still, everybody's going, yeah, go after yourself. Yeah, you know, just doing the Tony <laughs> Clifton. like 30 like, seconds. Like, like, and, dude, within 12 minutes, the show was over. People were running. <laughs> Oh, you're not, you're not, you know, what you think? But, I mean, that was the character, you know. I, I was hilarious, but that was my first time. But suddenly, I, you're 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 literally thrown to the wolves as an absolute uh, wet-footed rookie yeah. doorman. At, and maybe one of the three times in the history of the comedy store where people were actually rioting. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> you actually have to go up, save a performer, break up fights. Oh yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was, and everybody, everybody got duped. They all got duped. They, I think that yeah. hurt them more than the fact that the show was only fifteen minutes long. Is that they came up? We fell for it. It got us again. I'm sure somewhere in heaven, Andy Kaufman was laughing his ass off because you know. What an unbelievable uh, uh, first night at the comedy store. Then yeah. you work your way up as a doorman, and yeah. then you're performing. And if I'm not mistaken, you have you had you did some shows with uh, with the great Sam Kinison. Yeah, the great? late Sam. Kinison. I toured with him for about five years. Is one of the outlaws. That's pretty of impressive. Yeah, it was, man. I'm lucky to be alive, bro. I, I think that man was. Uh, <laughs> I mean, he. I mean, look. I was like, very you know, few uh, comedians have come in here and, and said, "Like, I would lucky to be alive." No, but I'm telling you that. that, that I mean, Sam was a, a, a little bit of a. I was touring with the most controversial comedian in America at that time. You're on a tour bus. There's strippers and porn stars and illicit drugs and you know drinking. And who then, else is on a tour? You, Carl LeBeau. Me, Carl LeBeau, Mitch Walters, Alan Stevens, and uh, you know. Uh, and Sam. Yeah, and Sam. So we would come up. And Are you do, all on the bus? Yeah, we well, we were on the bus initially. And then, of course, there was like another tour with Sam on his own bus. And yeah, so, yeah. you know, but uh, yeah, it was great, man. I mean, it kind of like to go from like doing the L.A. comedy clubs and then to see what the what you could actually do. I mean, that was uh, there's no question about it. What's it like walking on stage to a crowd of people who, as friendly as they might be, are there to see uh, maybe one of the most mercurial, incredible performers in the history of stand-up. And make no mistake, known now as the shouting comic, known to any comedian as one of the absolute greatest joke writers in the history of stand-up comedy. Yeah, there's no question about it. I mean, I, but uh, here's a great example. We were doing the Universal Ambassador. I think it was like 6,300 people or whatever it was on New Year's Eve and – we're getting ready for the show, and so we all had videos of our shows from the tour. And you know, Sam shows up. We're just watching him taking notes because you're getting ready to play the Universal Amphitheater. Yeah, you want to be good. If you want to be, you know, watching game film, you know. 
And so Sam comes in, he watches, and we're taking notes. He's listening to us now. He goes, listen, when you do that joke, that joke's going to come out. And you usually go two, three, four. You wait for the laugh. He goes, here, it's going to go out, and it's going to come back. So you wait five, six, seven. It's almost like a double count. And it's funny, when I went out on stage, you know, he was just kind of pacing back behind the curtain because just t- making sure all the opening guys did, and it was just it was just great. He goes, yeah, it's perfect. But I mean, he kind of coached up. He was a little bit of a mentor, which was awesome, you know. And uh, that was the Universal Amphitheater on New Year's Eve. And then he has Ginger Baker, C.C. Deville from Poison, all these wow. rock stars. I mean, David Lee Roth is there. It was just this extravagant. That's insane. And then we drive to Van Nuys Airport, jump on a plane, a Learjet that sits 15, and then they fly to Vegas to do a 3 a.m. in the morning show with the same, which is a small, scaled-down group of guys. And it was just, it was fun. That's I mean, impressive. It was rock and roll. So, yeah, it was really cool. Uh, you know, you, What's the craziest moment you had on the bus? Sam Kinison bus. Uh, you know, it was just we got dropped off to get ready to go on tour, and I guess somebody had called and said Sam's going to be traveling with a lot of uh, with drugs and this, that, and the other thing. And literally, we go down I there. It took and, a call to do that? No, you couldn't we, just watch Sam and go, all right, get the dog sniffers down. Yeah, but down. Somebody, somebody wanted to. I, I think I – don't, I don't know. There's, there's rumors and speculations, but somebody said. And so when all of us get down, there's about 15 guys with security. I mean, and the minute we drop our bags, we're surrounded by like 28 DEA agents. And they go through our bags. They go wow. through everything. And all they did was found a little bag of pot. They found nothing else, no, no, nothing else besides the marijuana. Right, right. And they were like, wow, we're, we're you know, they kind of. Uh, Free tickets to the show at that point. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the next thing you know, they're all posing with us. All right, <laughs> exactly. man, we thought we had a bust. Yeah, we, apparently we don't. You guys are good guys. Someone lied to us. But I mean. Biggest the, gig you played with Kennison. I would say Biggest that was, crowd you played. It was uh, no but one of my favorite. Uh, my favorite was uh, doing the Philly Spectrum. Where oh, of course, Philly the Spectrum. Philly was, guy go home. Yeah, yeah. So it was that? That was another big show. Doctor J was, Playground. Something like fifty eight hundred. Yeah, Doctor J's Playground was great. So I don't, when you watch Doctor J play, now you're doing the Spectrum. My whole family I had a bunch of people there. It was it was absolutely amazing. It was really great. You know, and I'm sure right. you're killing it. That yeah, yeah. I got a big. Group How much of people. time you doing for? Uh, did everybody do the same amount of time in front of him and then? Yeah, yeah, about twenty minutes. The first half of the show was like you know the guy come out with open side doing maybe he would do like ten fifteen. Then it was twenty minutes, twenty minutes, twenty minutes, and then there was. A little intermission and Sam come out and then he would bring the band down for the end and do wild thing and people would go nuts it was really now backstage after a show with Sam Kinison yeah how insane is this? You're already smiling. You no. can't help it. You were you were trying to avoid smiling, and your face would not let you do it. Well, it depended where you were. Like in Las Vegas, you know, Joan Rivers comes in and hangs out. And, I mean, like, you know, it was just – I mean, you go to Vegas. It was like they did the dunes. They did the – he did the dunes like three weeks in a row. It was crazy. Like they – you would go to the Olympia Garden, uh, in, which was a very famous strip club at the time, and the girls would know you, hey, when did we come back? They give you the VIP room. And, you know, you're there for three weeks. I mean, man. Literally I, a stripper. I had to hey, come, Jimmy, how's the family? I, I mean, they're there. Yeah, and I had to come back. And, you know, you're rock and roll. You're doing sold-out shows at the Dunes. It's Las Vegas, you know. It was back in, like, the late 80s, early 90s. And, and you know, you're, you're sitting there, and one of the girls knocks on your door at, like, 3 o'clock in the morning in, like, lingerie and a trench coat. Like, something right out of a movie. Come on in. And this was like, <laughs> this was like, I mean, it was, it was crazy. But, you know, it was like, 
I'm like, I came back from those three weeks. I had to get a CAT scan. I thought I had brain damage. These guys were like, you know, one, like one night of room service was five grand with champagne, bottles of beers, and booze. That's incredible. It was insane. I mean, you know, guys were up and the guys are falling face down and sleeping in a bowl of spaghetti. A guy went, guy went I'm not going to say any names, but went face down to a bowl. Go, yeah, yeah, make sure he doesn't drown in the spaghetti. I go, you know, listen, I'm glad I got it out of my system and I don't miss it for the world. But, you know, it was, it was rock and roll. It was a different time. Certainly, and, I wouldn't do that. Typical, no. typical Philly Irish kid, you probably went, "Hey, that's a that's that's a, a complete waste of a pretty good bowl of spaghetti." <laughs> Yes, just just pull his head out of that. Hey, come on, finish hey, that up. Hey, can I get a box for this? Let me get a box. There's, you know, there's a, there's a this guy's a little booger sugar hanging off his nose. The guy went face down a little. <laughs> that tip uh, brought to you by Unpotable Water. The more thirsty you are, the more unpotable it gets, or the more potable it gets. I screwed that one up, Gary. That's seven fifty. Normally these are fifteen dollars a pop, but if I screw it up, uh, it's seven fifty. Yeah, it's only seven fifty. No, well, that's fair. Unpotable water. The thirstier you are, the more potable it gets. That's the ad. That's the ad. There you go. Now you get fifteen dollars on top of seven fifty. Nah, nah, I got to give it to him for seven fifty. Damn it. Uh, so Kinnison passes away, and out come all films, books, and everything. This is the last Kinnison question. Uh, but there's got to be a ton of stuff out there that you're reading, seeing, hearing on TV, and you got to having lived it. You got to be thinking to yourself. Well, that's bullshit. Yeah, I mean, all of it. Most uh, of it is. Most of it was. Uh, most, most of it. Was well, you know, it's like anything else. You know, it's like you know, the the Belushi book was written by a guy and it's told secondhand. And yeah, you know, then you got to, you know, I, you got to defend these people. You know, this was the you know, guy, you, did you know him? No. Then what are you fucking talking about? Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. Sorry, sorry. No, that's okay. Go I didn't ahead. mean to drop an F bomb. No, no, no. Post. Yeah. But anyway, it's just yeah. So and I kind of stayed away from it. It's like you know, I I don't want to I don't want to be one of those guys who comes out and you know your whole. Things based on a guy you used to tour right. with. I, yeah. kind of, no, I respected him enough it. to honor his privacy and do what. Right. But, you know, he was, a, you know, as the story's come out, he was a legendary party guy. And you used to go up to Crest Hill, the house behind the comedy store, and Ted Nugent and Ron Jeremy, and it was porn stars and rock stars, and Ted Nugent, Billy Idol would come on. I mean, it was like that. I was I was living there. And I just because I didn't have it, I was kind of like homeless. So I crashed in one of the back bedrooms. But then it was like, you know, I finally got a job and started to work my way up. But yeah, it was. Uh, it was an interesting time period, certainly different than it is now. And and you had the, uh, the the common sense to go, you know something, I'm just going to let that be a part of my life and let that be Kinnison's legacy and I'm, not, I'm just going to ignore all the crap that's out there. Yeah, and, and then I went back and, and kind of moved – I moved that way. I, you know, I was uh, – You got into acting. You started – you actually started to do – you did King of Queens. Yeah, uh, yeah. 15 episodes of King of Queens. I did four episodes of Entourage, a couple yeah, episodes yeah, yeah. of Yeah, yeah, yeah. You did a bunch of stuff. Monk. Monk. You were a guest on. Yeah, you did a, you did films. You did the, the Italian job. Yeah. yeah you did I got a, a second chance. I, I, you know, I, I let, when Sam died in 92, I left and went to Florida and just started working on my stand-up and fell back in love with why I started doing it and got away from all the, the drugs and all the influence. And then I went and crashed Montreal and I got a development deal, which got me back to Los Angeles, which started to get me back into acting and back into taking those acting classes and those tools I'd put in my toolbox many years earlier, studying acting and stuff. Right. And so I was able to... Audition well. Like if you can audition well, you can work. Yeah, yeah, I mean, work. You know, people go with even the littlest jobs in films. They probably see twenty, thirty, sixty guys on those. Yeah. Even the, so it's you have to be able to uh, go in and get the job. And and the acting thing, obviously, if you have a, but you have to be able to audition well. So yeah, it kind of changed the the trajectory of my career. And I started came I came back and started doing all that stuff. Was in the movie Go, 
which was the first thing I did. And I had a, a development deal and a couple pilots that never got picked up. So we just started getting back into it. And I took it seriously this time. And so Right. And, and, and now you're just pounding the body, both stand-up and acting. And the stand-up, uh, Zero Tolerance, latest special out, right? Yeah. And uh, you just keep cranking. Yeah. You know, you write. Yeah, I do. I, I mean, that's – dude, I used to – you. Know, <laughs> when I was a doorman at this store, I used to watch you. I used to watch Shanling. I used to – you guys were all great. I mean, I just used to watch the guys. That, that's how I – They wrote, yeah. Yeah, they wrote. And, and, and that's how I grew up watching that when it was done yeah. right. I go, that's the way it's supposed to be done. You know, you guys say, I'm, uh, what do you guys want to talk about? Hey, where are you from? People doing crowd work, you lazy, shiftless. And I hate it. So I, I get it. I'm out about constructing a joke. You yeah, know, yeah. And, and I just, I just. It shows. It shows in the act. Hey, we're, we're right in a zone here. So let's go right into a, uh, into Advice Corner. I, I, got, I got a big time uh, road comic with me, an actor. Time for Advice Corner. Actual takeaway from the great Jimmy Schubert. Jimmy, I'm going to ask you five questions. You never know who's listening. Young kid out there with a dream. They might be trying to follow. I'm going to ask you some legit questions here. These, this isn't the pop quiz. This gotcha, is, gotcha. No, this is where I'm asking you. And, uh, hey, and uh, so I'll ask you five questions. We'll see if we can't uh, help some people out. Who knows? The actual takeaway, what they call in the business. Uh, we're on and I'm changing my first question. Audition tip for any young actors out there. You learn the hard way what these might be. And as you just said, if you know how to audition, uh, you're going to keep you're going to keep getting called and you and you're going to eventually get work. Yeah. What's a good audition tip for a kid out there? There's, the, there's the, I would say take a take three deep breaths before you start your audition. It's the only thing you have control over. So make sure you go in and do the audition you want. If you mess it up, ask to do it again. But that's it. Don't give these people your power. Don't give them. Don't get too nervous. Just go in and own it and make choices, and then that's. And he said something interesting. Do the audition that you want. So when you're sitting in that waiting room, instead of getting nervous, think about exactly how you want this character to be. Yeah, because you you can't second-guess them. You've got to make choices. When you make good choices and interesting choices, usually you're doing better than 80% of the people in that room because they're just memorizing lines and saying the lines. You've made a choice. Even if they think it isn't the right choice for that role, That's it. they go, wow, this kid made a choice. And I've actually auditioned for stuff that I didn't get the role I auditioned for, but I got another role inside the project. You know, so just because you powered in. Yeah. Question number two, favorite travel tip. You've been on the road in all kinds of situations, from the highest rock and roll with Sam Kinison all the way to just banging yourself around the country doing clubs. What's your favorite travel Sleep tip? Sleep on the opposite side of the bed that the phone's on. That's a, that's a great tip. Yeah. <laughs> Sleep on the opposite Let's side. Everybody be. sleeps next to that stupid phone for some reason. I sleep on the other side. Nobody sleeps on that side. It's more comfortable. <laughs> the mattress holds up better. <laughs> Best way to handle a heckler for you in a club, in a nightclub, uh, you got a heckler. Uh, how do you deal with it? My thing is, you know, you have to remove them with a little bit of verbal laser surgery, but you have to let them annoy everybody else around them. So the first time you give them a look, the second time you give them another look, and the third time you just because the audience functions as like four hundred kind of separate organisms, but 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 they're one unit. And if you go right after the guy, then they're going to think they're coming after him. But if you let them annoy everybody else around them, and then I embarrass them into behaving, going, "Look, it's not me. I could give a shit. I got five brothers. My dad was a homicide detective. I got one feeling, <laughs> and I fucking dare you to hurt it. All right, I'm worried about the couple behind you that maybe had a baby two years ago. They finally found a babysitter they can trust, and they're paying her twenty six bucks an hour. They want to come out and have a great night." 
of entertainment. Unfortunately, they sat next to you. Right, you know, right. And, and so you, you wait till you have the regiment completely behind you, then you go after yeah. the guy. That's great advice. Uh, for you, when you're headlining, who's your ideal opener and middler? Who's uh, the ideal show in front of you? Wow, that's I just uh, I love anybody funny, and I don't care, uh, you know. So you're uh, wide open. You got that comedy store mentality. Yeah, which I, is, I, mean, I followed I, I, Robin you, Williams. I followed Sam Kinison. Get yeah. up! I don't care who you put in front. Yeah, of. exactly. I just uh, you know don't. Uh, I, I, maybe not. I don't like somebody who's excessively cursing or like you know that. that right, you, right. You, you know within within the parameters, you know. But yeah, it's it's fine. I whatever. I mean, I work with everybody. Uh, be. Uh, between shows, this is the last question. What's your best between shows pick me up? You got a long night. You got a, maybe a three shower, uh, three show night in Boston. You're killing it. First show, second show, you muscle your way through and you do a great job. They're loving you. It's Jimmy Schubert night at, at Nick's. And then all of a sudden you got, yeah, it's midnight. And you got, damn, yeah, I, got, tea. I got one more show. Warm what do you do tea, to pick warm, me up? Warm tea with lemon and honey. Just take care of that voice. And, and, just, and, just, and just a ton of water during the show. Stay hydrated. And, you know, I mean, I, I, I expend a lot of energy. So I'm like, well, I'm a sweater. Like, you know, I got to kind of cool off. And so I drink a lot of water and just kind of shut the engines down. But we are in different times. Because, uh, yeah. We'd ask you this in about 91. <laughs> <laughs> if, you, if you'd ask me that like that, you i go, yeah, this is a great picture. No, actually, to tell you the truth, I could never, like, I could never. Like really perform on that stuff. Yeah, I mean, when you're writing uh, jokes and you got to get a roadmap there, it's tough to get uh, can, tough to get altered state. Yeah, I don't. I, I mean, believe me, I've experimented, but I certainly wouldn't do. I wouldn't recommend it. You know. Yeah, I yeah, just, yeah. You know. That advice corner brought to you by U Drive, the app that lets you rent your own car to take you wherever you want to go. Still not time for the uh, no. <laughs> yeah, this is how thorough. Uh, Jimmy Schubert is. He's uh, he's gone for his pop quiz notes three times already. <laughs> well, once uh, just at the end of the update at the beginning, I hadn't even introduced him yet. Uh, that's, that's, that's how much homework you need to do to be now, Jimmy. It's time for the fiery four. The fiery four. Jimmy, these are sports takes more important than a date at Bookbinders. There's a little Philly reference for you. Nice. Fire number one. Those cheating Houston Astros may face retaliation from opposing pitchers because uh, the league kind of went soft on them. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Is that good old school or is it just dangerous for other pitchers to start? Well, there's a lot of people who think they should have been punished. I mean, they, they should have been. Uh, they should have should have cost them the championship. I mean, I, I, you would know, you have? Uh, I would mean, you have yeah, done how it? could you keep a guy out of the Hall of Fame for his life for like cheating and and and, and then you f- catch these guys? I mean, they're not the Black Sox of 1918, but certainly you know, still big. Shoeless Joe Jackson, for God's sakes! But uh, I think that you know they cheated. They should. There should be consequences. Yeah, and and uh, you know, uh, Pete and Rose I, never bet on on his, on any of his own games. These guys were were literally rigging the games they were playing. Yeah, which is why I never bet on sports. But I, but yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, you know, essentially fixing games or the outcomes of games. I mean that uh, that's what is paramount too. And yeah, you know, that's BS. Fire number two. Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder, they did pretty solid numbers. Can boxing make a comeback against ultimate fighting? I doubt it. It's yeah. real. I got to tell you that they, the UFC has built a brand that's like like the NFL. It's, it's more exciting to watch. It, it's just it's just it's just better. I mean, you know, Don King and those guys kind of ruined the heavyweight division. Yeah, you see yeah. that. But I mean, it, it was great to watch that fight. I mean. 
you know, the Gypsy King inside the ring. I mean, that guy yeah. handled his business. And he, I heard he donated his whole $9 million to for homeless, which I think is amazing if he did that. But well, he's that's also, just because he's one of those nuts British guys. Yeah, but he's also come from mental illness. I mean, drug Yeah, I know. I mean, he's, he's had really, to have depression. He yeah, fought. He's, 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 he's had to actually literally fight his way back to get to there. So it's a great story. I love stories like that. So, you know, my hat's off to him. He put in a hell of a performance. And, yeah. you know, the other guy kept running his mouth and he just – Hey, Came out and handled his business. And I thought it was great. Wound up bloody in his mouth. Yeah. Uh, but you're saying even uh, – well, this will be the litmus test if I may use that phrase. If Tyson Fury, as colorful and as larger than life as he is and he's uh, an open book with his, with his personal problems, his depression, things, if, if, if he can't turn – Boxing heavyweight division, at least, into a, into a uh, moneymaker and a juggernaut again, I'm not sure anybody can. I agree with you. I, and I just think the UFC is, is, is so much more potent and, 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 and yeah. embodies all that. There's a, there's a game they play in, in um, Italy. It's called Calico Soccer, and they do it like every four years, and these four counties compete. The only rule is you can't kick a guy when he's unconscious, but it's the best of football, boxing, wrestling. Wow. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's, pretty, it's pretty amazing. Yeah, Dana White's going to have his can't claws kick a, into that. Yeah, the only rule is you can't kick a guy when he's unconscious. I just think the UFC is too strong now. Too yeah. many people are behind yeah. it. It's just – yeah, it's 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 a better sport, and you know, I, more, I, more, yeah. And uh, Gary, make a note, uh, isolate that part where uh, where Jimmy Schubert said, "I agree with you," because that'll be the first time anybody said that on this show. Fire number three. Is this the year Bryce Harper leads Philly to the World Series? Hopefully, yeah. <laughs> and finally, fire number four. I'm not going to mess with an Irish guy. I'm not going to push him on that. If Philadelphia ever hosts the Olympics, because you know when you host the Olympics, you get to you get to put your own sport in there. What sport would you put into the games if Philly uh, hosted the Olympics? Maybe, maybe now, you know what I'm thinking now. Uh, calico soccer. Yeah, that's that. Now, now, they, now that you mention it, that makes perfect sense. <laughs> For Philly. I mean, you know, there's like, you know, some areas of Philly, they've been kind of refurbished. But if you go to Kensington and Allegheny, which is like, I mean, literally like the worst kind of drug corner in like the United States. And, you know, these I was talking to detectives, friends of my father, so they got approached by a mother-daughter hooker team for like, you know. <laughs> well, that's the rare tag yeah, team. But, yeah, but they're all, you know, they're all heroined <laughs> up. They're all, he goes, those people are dead. They just haven't fallen over yet. I mean, that's how bad the drug <laughs> epidemic is. So maybe, maybe the, the, the shoot, puke, and blow you yeah, know, sure. The uh, Olympic down there at Kensington and Alvin, you shoot dope. <laughs> <Yeah>. Sure. <laughs> you blow a cop. <laughs> you blow a cop. And then, <laughs> and then you puke. It's then the, you puke. It's a shoot, blow, and puke fucking championship down there at Kensington and I think I think that fits Philly. That fiery four brought to you by Throwbacks, the e-cigarette you light with a match, and Miserati, <laughs> the Jewish sports car. Now, uh, now it's time uh, for pop quiz. This is where my guest, the the great Jimmy Schubert, is going to ask me three questions. Hey, yeah, Jimmy, we got a theme song for this. Let's hear this. What's it? Boom, battle, pop, 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 pop. Pop quiz. What do you think of that? That's fantastic. Thank you. How long did it take him to write that? Uh, awesome. We wrote it, you, sang you, it, and recorded dude, it in 18 seconds. I like that they bring it brings production value to the show. I, I think you so. Know, I think it raises the level. That. All right. Hey, Jimmy Shewer's got three questions for me. I'm a 877 and, and two, but I'm on a hot streak. I'm 2-1 and, and one in my are, life. And these are uh, all Philadelphia-based sports questions. So, Beautiful. Uh, you may be on. I'm going to try. All right. What years did the Philadelphia Flyers Win the Stanley Cup, missing the hat trick by one year. 76 through 78. I took a shot. Close. 
damn it. It was 75 and 76. They missed it in... Uh, in 77? 73, actually. Damn it. Yeah. Well, whatever. All right, that's, close. That's, you were right. You were right in the wheelhouse. But Gary, Gary's nodding uh, his head uh, no, but that's, no, what, what, cons- what, what, that's considered consecutive years They won in, in Philadelphia. 74 and 75. 74 and 75. And, and he, he missed said, in he 73, yeah. I he was said off. 75, 76. I said well, 76. Well, he was there. One of the years was correct. Are we actually debating how wrong I was on seven, this question? Seven and, a, seven and a half points for that one. All right. But Let's, you said 75, 76, and then 73, which... Uh, I in Philadelphia uh, math. That's consecutive years. Question number two. I'm zero and one. Okay. All right. Who threw the winning pitch when the Phillies won the World Steve Series? Steve Carlton. I'll 1980. Oh no no no! Uh, the reliever. The and, reliever. And who was his famous son? Oh, that's a two pointer. It's probably not. Uh, uh, let me guess. That should who, give was, me... was that? Who is that freaking reliever? You're close. He had a weird. First what, name. What do you do with your penis when no one else is around? T- uh, t- what, what do you do? Tug. <laughs> Tug. Tug McGraw. Tug McGraw. <laughs> and who's his famous son? What? What? <laughs> Here was the clue from my lifeline. What you do with your Peter when no one's around? <laughs> Tug it, bro. Come on. That was your lifeline. <laughs> All right. I'm going to take that one. I, I don't know who his favorite son is. The hell with uh, the B part of the question. That was, uh, that was uh, Tim, Tim one one. McGraw, the famous country western. Tim story. McGraw is Tug McGraw's son? Yeah, man. Absolutely. Good Lord, I never knew that. Yeah, there you go. There's a little bit of trivia. Wow, right uh, on the spot. I had to write these questions five minutes ago. And you know, uh, Tim McGraw, actually, uh, when he when he uh, works solo on stage, he works from a mound. Who knew? Now, 1-1. One, one. I'm he, one and one. This is the rubber question. Right. He actually, before he grabs a microphone, he has a bag of resin. Bag of resin, 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 resin. resin, 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 resin. Who gives you, a crap? You know what I'm saying. Come on, who cares on, where you went to high school? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Before 2018, when was the last time the Philadelphia Eagles won the Super Bowl? 1980. Dick Vermeil. No. Coach. One. One. Uh, never. 1960. 1960. Well, it's not the Super Bowl. It's the World Championship. Well, it was the World Championship. I mean, well, okay. I understand what you're saying. Uh, you know what I meant. Yeah, I, yeah I I'll, take it. I'll take a tie on that one. No, no, because <laughs> they, they they went with Dick Vermeil. Didn't they win with Vermeil? Yeah, no, they went to the Super Bowl with Dick Vermeil. And that but they lost. Here they had Vince Papali. You know that they they went to the Super Bowl. They didn't win. They yeah, played the Raiders. Italian. It was uh, Jim Plunkett against uh, Ron Jaworski, the Polish rifle. That's right. Oh, man, Ron Jaworski. And hey, that Nick Foles kid, he, he, he turned out pretty good for you guys. Yeah. I actually don't think I don't think Carson Wentz could have won that Super Bowl. I think it took a guy like Nick Foles who like, yeah. he thought about quitting. He was injured. He thought about getting out of the game. And uh, um, Doug Peterson got him from Andy Reid in Kansas City. Yeah. And, boy, what a backup quarterback. I have often said Nick Foles, uh, he could open a, a mosque in Philly and still be popular. <laughs> He'd That's still true. be popular. That's true. That pop quiz brought to you by Pandemodium. Get rid of your diarrhea in one chaotic blast with Pandemodium. My guest today, the hilarious Jimmy Schubert. Follow him on Twitter, at Jimmy Schubert. Watch his special on Vimeo, Zero Tolerance. That's out right now. Jimmy, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. And check uh, JimmySchubert.com for dates and stuff. Yes. Go see this guy. He's hilarious. Uh, follow me on Twitter, at Chet Waterhouse, and my comedian buddy, at Real Jeff Cesario. He's got his own special. 
a recorded album coming out called, what was I thinking? Uh, looks like it's going to drop late April. Uh, thanks to all of you for listening. Support my sponsor, Starburns.com. Hey, if you want more of me this weekend, I'll be in Vespers, Washington, calling the 143rd Annual Jesuit Confession Championships. Father Aloysius in the lead. He got two separate guys to confess to the same murder. But look out for Argentina's Father Pietro. He got a woman to insist she was the root of all evil. This is Chet Waterhouse reminding you to play with pain.